This place is nice. I really like the music that they play. Bob Ellis on the drums. <laughs> I'm part of Schaefer's Top Jazz Orchestra. It's the best music school in the country. The key is to just relax. Don't worry about the numbers. Don't worry about what the other guys are thinking. You're here for a reason. Have fun. Five, six, and. I want to be great. And you're not. We got Buddy Rich here. Little trouble there. You're rushing. Here we go. Five, six, and. Were you rushing or were you dragging? I, I don't know. If you deliberately sabotage my band, I will gut you like a pig. Oh, my dear God. Are you one of those single-tier people? You are a worthless pansy ass who is now weeping and slobbering all over my drum set like a nine-year-old girl. So how's it going with the studio band? Good. Yeah, I think he likes me more now. I push people beyond what's expected of them. I believe that is an absolute necessity. I want to be one of the greats. And because I'm doing that, it's going to take up more of my time. And this is why I don't think that we should be together. I would never let him put my son through hell. Why would you let him get away with what he did to you? There are no two words in the English language more harmful than good job. Nested Query Podcast. My name is Raphael, and I just want to welcome you today. Um, appreciate you uh, logging on and listening. Uh, today we're going to be discussing the film Whiplash. Whiplash was released in 2014. It was the uh, sophomore uh, directorial project of Damien Chazelle. Uh, Damien Chazelle, who only at the age of 29 uh, was able to win many awards at the Sundance Film Festival, for Whiplash, he went ahead and uh, three main actors in this film, Miles Teller, J.K. Simmons, and Paul Reiser, kind of uh, carry the film in this project. Uh, Miles Teller plays a uh, kind of a new student at, at a fictitious um, school in New York City uh, for musicians, for aspiring career musicians called Schaefer Conservatory. J.K. Simmons plays the... I would say the intimidating, uh, highly demand demanded uh, teacher Terrence Fletcher and Paul Reiser plays Andrew's dad Jim Naiman. This film uh, was released in 2014, received five Academy Award nominations, uh, racked up three wins for editing, sound, and uh, for supporting actor, in which J.K. Simmons received his Oscar for that. Film filming began in August. 2013, and in only 19 days, Damien Chazelle was able to conclude um, conclude filming for this project, uh, which is quite a feat in itself. The budget of a, of 3.3 million dollars, um, and overall, so far, this box office hit has received over 49 million in revenue. So, really, really good return on investment. Rotten Tomatoes has this listed at a 94% rating. Um, really good, uh, really great hit of 2014. Damien Chazelle since then has went ahead and 
filmed La La Land and First Man, both with Ryan Gosling. And J.K. Simmons, we know from his previous work, in not only in theater, but also some you know, small roles, great character actor, and I really appreciate how he really carried himself in this film. He really brought out a different side of him that not many of us uh, are used to seeing in him. And of course, we do know him from his work in farmers insurance commercials, but it was really kind of the surprising aspect that he played in this in this role, which surprised me as a, a viewer of this film. Miles Teller uh, played a good role here, you know, being the uh, kind of the aspiring student to get the uh, the approval of the demanding teacher of Terrence Fletcher. So this was really a good film. I in, thoroughly enjoyed it and. Um, hoping that you'll enjoy the discussion we have today. My guest host that will be joining me today to discuss Whiplash is my friend Byron from college. Byron has a musical background and, and in college was involved in the uh, in the marching band at in college. Uh, he played the drums. So he has some kind of relatable experience to this and we're going to kind of pick his brain a bit about his love for music, uh, the demanding um, aspects of being a musician, and then, of course, we can, we'll dive into the film as well and kind of pick apart pieces here and there and kind of peel out layers or peel out perspectives that we felt were really telling throughout the film. So I'm really glad that uh, you've joined us today, and I hope you enjoy the discussion we have on Whiplash. Thank you. you were just mainly drumline right you yeah were, did you have some type of experience in the drums in some type of band before yeah. an actual college band or how does how did that work exactly so so my first exposure to, to the drums or percussion uh was in middle school so sixth grade actually you know not to delve too far into it but um you know i went to school everyone in my in my family was you know brass Type of musician, so trumpets and French horns, tubas, things like that. And uh, so I had that mindset when I went to school that that's what I was I was going to play one of those instruments. And uh, you know, in the background, I was always, you know, thinking back when I was always beating on the table, or you know, anytime you know we went to a concert or things like that, I always paid attention uh, attention to percussion. Yeah, it, it was just one of those things where you know, I got to school, I you know borrowed one of my classmates' drumsticks and you know started messing around and. and Really became interested, and uh, my band director at the time, uh, he was actually the one that kind of helped me expose, you know, that talent a little bit. And said, "Hey, like you, you can be really good at trumpet too, but you know, you have more natural talent on the drums." So it, it almost felt like a marriage, like a perfect marriage type of deal. So I've been been with it ever since. Uh, same thing in college, uh, high school, rather. So um, you know, try to perfect that a little bit. And for the longest time, I thought I was going to be a professional drummer. You know, you know. Um, up until I went to SMU and decided that, um, you know, I didn't really, you know, I, I didn't see the money in, yeah. on, the, on the music side or, or uh, if that makes any sense. So I decided to, you know, major in economics or whatnot. But, uh, but yeah, it was, 
you know, that first year at SMU, I actually was only in the band. You know, you, as you probably remember, I was in the marching band for one year. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's a commitment. It, it's 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 almost like being a student athlete. You know, you wake you you run the same hours as a student athlete. You know, you wake up six six a.m., six thirty a.m. You're on the practice field, uh, and you know you go to class during the day. And after your classes, you're you're at rehearsal. You don't get home till eight o'clock at night. You still have, you know, you're studying and you know exams and you know just like everybody else. And you wake up the next morning and it starts all over again. Oh wow! Yeah. So, um, you know, that, that was a hard decision um, because is the dynamic between yeah. high school band and college band much different? Uh, oh, absolutely. Night and day. Night and day. Now, I will say that the and we'll look, I'll I'll say it from the perspective of you know having certain leaders. So for example, your band directors, right? Most, if not all band directors have, and I shouldn't, I shouldn't probably shouldn't generalize. I'm not going to kill me for that. But, but, but in my experience, a lot of those have certain tendencies and, you know, they, they demand perfection, at least, you know, some of the better, you know, better directors out there and, and uh, I don't even know the proper term anymore, conductors or whatnot. Sure. But um, they all have similar traits, if that makes any sense. So, you know, watching this film, you know, obviously, and I, I forgot the guy's name that played uh, the, you know, the director or conductor, whatever you call him. Fletcher. J.K. Yeah. Sim, Fletch, Simmer, Fletcher. Terrence Fletcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the farmer's insurance guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, he took it a little to the extreme, but I've, I've had, you know, some of my buddies have actually gone to, you know, Berkeley up in Boston and, okay. and have, have similar experiences. So I, as far as exposure to that type of personality, uh, I, I won't say I've, you know, I've had it to that extreme because, uh, you know, we'll probably talk about this a little bit, but, you know, he, he meaning the uh, Fletcher, yeah. in my opinion, had uh, certain sociopathic tendencies. Sure. A bit. You know, and I'm not to call him a sociopath, but there are certain yeah, yeah. things that he has in common that would make you kind of examine that a little bit. And I think it maybe it's something where it's like that type A personality and mm-hmm. if you're good at something and you're always told that you're you know, wow, you're really good, and you're always kind of, not pampered, but if you're always like, put on this pedestal, then it's yep. always that that kind of authoritative you get, you get right? And yeah. if you're, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just, um, like, in when you were in the college band, did you have much interaction with those students who were in the, in the music school? Um, a little bit. Because um, I, would, I would assume yeah. that those students in the fine arts program in music, I mean, there probably wasn't any that were in band as well, right? Yeah, so that's actually a really good question. So the way it works, at least, again, this is obviously from my perspective. So when I first started at SMU, uh, from, you know, band, the quote-unquote band standpoint, there, there are two types of uh, bands, and, and it kind of revolves around the season. So you have your marching band, which is obviously you know, football season, you're out supporting the team sure. and fall rolls around or, you know, once football season concludes, um, you have, you know, symphonic band or orchestra, things like that. So you kind of switch from the, the loud raw, raw type of type of music to the, you know, your, your, your classical symphonic or, or orchestrative type of type of music. So uh, the orchestra bands or the symphonic bands, that's where you tend to have more access to those, those kids or those students that were made, you know, fine arts majors and things like that. Um, some of the marching band folks, myself included, I made a decision that I only wanted to do marching band. Okay. Um, 
and that was really just because I wanted more time to, you know, to enjoy college. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? exactly. Yeah. So, um, so yes, but we, we certainly had access to that, and you know, looking back on it from a financial standpoint, I probably would have pursued that a little bit more. Yeah, just because uh, the, the financial aid package was was pretty nice. Sure. Yeah. So I also noticed too that going back to college, like mm-hmm. that the band also had a presence, like say at basketball games, right? Mm-hmm. And I noticed that at the basketball games, the band there actually had a full drum, drum kit right. there that they would use. So, yeah. you know, and I'm obviously, if you're in a marching band, you're not gonna have a full kit out right. there. Um, but how is, did you have any involvement with the-, the, the With the, like the basketball? Yeah, the basketball. Um, I didn't. Um, <laughs> this sounds bad, but I I technically was supposed to be there. I, I made the internal decision and, you know, unfortunately as a, you know, a 20 year old kid, uh, I didn't communicate very well. So long story short, I just didn't show up to those, yeah. uh, you know, performances or, or rehearsals and things like that because I'd already made the decision that I didn't want to do that. But, but yeah, um, you go from marching band where you have, you know, nine or 10 drummers, you know, all playing snares, tenors, bass drums, cymbals, you know, to strictly just like you just said, you know, just that one guy on the drum kit, maybe you have two that rotate out or something like that. Or maybe you just have, you know, that cat on the side that's just, you know, using the cymbal or sometimes depending on the school or the band, they might roll out, you know, a gong or something like that. And, you know, that guy's one job is to just hit that gong sure. one time. You screw that up and then, uh, you know. Okay. That's that's cool because um, I think one of the main elements of the film that I got out of it was, uh, I mean, because I noticed that he mentioned – there's different chairs, I guess. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you have a first chair, second chair, alternate. Yeah. Uh, how does how does that play a role? I mean, because I would I would assume from a musical standpoint, I mean, just in general, people that can get music and and know how to play and have that, it's almost like they have that that passion or that that drive to just continue to practice all the time. And I think that's kind of what's different for most other people. Because I mean, I'll be honest, when I first saw this film four years ago. I, I bought some drumsticks. <laughs> I, bought, yeah. <laughs> I, bought, I bought some drumsticks. I bought a pad. It's like, you know what? I'm going to learn how to play drums. This is awesome. Um, but uh, I don't think those drumsticks have moved in the last two years because <laughs> I just don't have the, the drive when it comes to music. But I think what, what's what's very unique about musicians in general is just the, the passion they have for mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Oh, without question. Um, and, you know, everybody has a different story. I think with um, – gosh, I forgot the character's name that oh, – drummer uh, Neiman Neiman yeah so in the first I would say what 45 minutes to an hour you kind of get a little bit of exposure um, to his family and his family dynamic right so he has you know at least one brother I can't remember maybe two brothers that are very successful you know they're sitting around the dinner table Um, you know the older brother is a Rhodes Scholar you know enter you know other achievement here you know, type of deal, and, you know, the other guy's a football player for, you know, he made clearly know that it was, a, you know, D3 school yeah. or not. And I think as far as that dinner, um, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll, we'll probably get back to that scene, that they were, mm-hmm. they were cousins, so. Thank you, so, Yeah, right. so that the two men were brothers. Yeah. So I think it, it's funny because you see that dynamic between the brothers, mm-hmm. and then that tri- that same dynamic trickled down to the cousins. Yeah. Which is kind of, it's kind of interesting about that. Yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, from that standpoint, you know, that, that's an added pressure, you know, and I'm sure he's probably, you know, f- 
from what I got from it, he already put enough pressure on himself to be successful, but then you have some of this outside pressure from family and things like that that played into it. And is that because just in general, like if you're coming from a musical family, like you mm -hmm. said, you had a musical family, mm -hmm. um, because obviously the character in this film didn't come from a musical mm -hmm. family. He, he noted in the film that his dad is a, a writer and a teacher and his mom uh, had left at an early age. So I would assume that not only do you have that added pressure of being mm -hmm. a single dad, right. but now you have the added pressure of having a parent that doesn't really understand the nuances of being a musician. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. You know, and uh, it, it, it's, it's interesting too, because as a percussionist, you know, in high school, and, and I'm just kind of stepping back and speaking from experience, um, in high school, it was competitive, obviously, you know, we, we competed with each other at the same school, but then we would compete in UIL competitions and things like that. So you always wanted to be on your best, and, you know, I started having flashbacks when I saw the guy rehearse, you know. Now, granted, if, if I had busted knuckles, I, I probably wasn't going to go through through to that extent <laughs> yeah. what he did you know at, but at that point now is that that i always thought about that because yeah. i'm not a musician like mm -hmm. does, does that happen oh no oh absolutely yeah, yeah. absolutely and and i've i've known a handful of guys that 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 um you know they eat sleep and breathe you know music um and for the for the lot for the longest time i did too but uh, i i i became at i came at a crossroad where i said you know what i'm yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to bleed over this, you know. And, and I guess that was kind of a, a wake up moment for me, like, you know, something that I thought was always my passion. I, I was like, well, is it really? I started questioning myself, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, and you look back and you do some things different. And I probably would have stuck with it a little bit more, but you know, from uh, from Neiman's perspective, you know, they show him in the rehearsal room. You know, he's got you know, idols of Buddy Rich on the wall, things like that. So. You could tell from that standpoint, um, he meant business from 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 that from that standpoint. So um, it's almost like you know the football player, you know the typical story here. You know, I grew up watching Emmitt Smith or whoever. I always wanted to be him when I grow up. Some kids, you know, are, are willing to work through pain to be successful. Um, you know, obviously the other dynamic is you have a teacher that uh, is always. One-on-one, you know, -on -one, he's telling you everything you want to hear, right? And he, once you hear that, you're already telling yourself, hey, you know, either I made it, feel good about myself. Then, you know, typically what happens when, when you do that, you, you start you start slacking a little bit. You start, you know, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm good here. I'm good here. So you don't necessarily, you know, everybody has, different, has a different drive or, or, you know, everybody has different things to motivate. Some people are motivated by fear. Some people are motivated by with more by you know, success and things like that. You know, what was interesting to me about Fletcher, the, uh, the teacher or whatnot, uh, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong because I'm bad with names. Sure. <laughs> but um, you, could, you could definitely tell he was, to a certain extent, it was like, okay, he's, he's just trying to motivate, motivate these guys. You know, it's obviously an exceptional school with an exceptional talent. So you can't, you know, just walk around uh, telling people, you know, how great they are all the time. But, you know, there's balance in everything you do, right? Um, th then you start seeing some of the inner workings of some of the things that this guy does. And it's like, no, he's just, uh, I don't want to cut curse on here, but uh, no, he's just he's just a jerk. He's, he's a dick. Yeah, he's being he, an he, asshole. He is. Yeah. He based me. He yeah. took the word right out of my mouth. And, and uh, from that standpoint, that's kind of where you see ego 
come into play. Yeah. You know, um, and earlier we were talking about certain traits that band directors have. Mm-hmm. I don't care what anybody says, and they're lying if they, they tell you otherwise, but every band director that I've been exposed to, have, you have to have a certain amount of ego involved. Uh, they nobody will ever tell you that. You know, some might, you know, some might, some might share that, but um, you know, I think that that, in the nature of that, uh, I don't necessarily want to call it a business, but the nature of that, uh, you know, that type of industry or whatever, you kind of, it's kind of necessary. You know what I mean? Because people demand perfection. Um, you know, other people that have an ear to music, they hear things that other people don't hear. It's the, the filming backdrop for it is New York, so it's set in, yeah. in New York City. Uh, what's actually kind of funny about it is that they only filmed New York shots for a day out of that 19 days of filming. The rest of it, the rest of it was filmed in LA. Uh, really? So all the interior shots were actually filmed like in like an LA studio or an LA okay. uh, set, and so all the exterior shots were specifically where he's like walking outside back to his apartment. Those were all filmed in one day. So, but I guess you know, from a musical standpoint, that kind of adds that kind of that adds the flavor of the movie. Oh, you know yeah, what I mean? Because I, I I do consider kind of New York kind of the top notch kind of classical musicians, and you know, definitely sure. the place you want to be, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously, you have here in Dallas and other major cities, you have those musicians too. But New York is always a great place to go, to go film. Yeah. So starts off first with a. Naming kind of practicing on his kit. Uh, I don't know too much about the kit. It just mm-hmm. seems like a standard kit to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if you had any thoughts on the kit. Um, I didn't notice any special, you know, specific brands or anything as far as the kit con- is concerned. But and maybe that was yeah. on purpose. You know, that yeah. they don't they didn't want to pay a brand to show. You know, That's a, yeah. I didn't think about that yeah. actually. Uh, that yeah, that would actually make a lot of sense. You know, that 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 first opening. Uh, of the movie uh, and to be honest when I first saw the movie number one I had no idea it was being released the way I found out about Whiplash was the fact that my fiance at the time you know, ordered it on demand or whatnot and I saw a kid playing the drums you know I'm, I'm on the grill you know putting some food on the grill and, and uh, I almost burned the meat because I wanted to watch the movie and I was like what the hell is this like, yeah. this, is, this is I don't even know what this is yet and this looks awesome you know I um I, I it, it, especially because of the cast, uh, I actually appreciate those actors. You know, I've seen them in other movies, commercials, and things like that. Obviously, sure. but uh, because of the cast and the plot, I was immediately captured. Like, uh, and you mentioned the uh, you mentioned commercials, yeah. Because uh, I, I, I mean, that's to be honest. I remember mm-hmm. J.K. Simmons having you know a character actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen him in some movies where he plays like a dad or he plays. He's actually in, in Oz as well. And yeah. He plays like a like a neo Nazi. Oh, yeah, that's right. Or, but I'll, I they, just because of football, I'm mm-hmm. always watching football on Sundays. I, I always see him in those farmers commercials. Yes. He has farm, farmers insurance. And it's funny because when I would see him, he always seemed like to me he seemed like a funny guy, easy funny, going, easy going guy. But to see him in that, this dynamic, yeah. much opposite to what I'm used to seeing him. Yeah. I think it was a fresh breath of air, just kind of like oh wow, like this guy has so much depth as an actor. Absolutely. And I didn't I didn't realize until. I did a little research on him that he has a music background as well. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, he okay. has. Uh, he studied music in college mm-hmm. and did all that. So you know, at least he had some kind of some kind of flex to him. You know, sure, when he went sure. into the movie and filmed that. So yeah, that was um, you know, and, and I share those. 
I share the same you know view as you from from that standpoint of seeing his depth as as an actor because I actually appreciate that um, even like the Ed Ed Nortons of the world you yeah know, you know seeing him in Fight Club and um, you know him switching up to different roles like American X History X or whatever you know it's kind of um, I, I appreciate that so you know when I saw him in that role and then um, you know going back to that opening scene it kind of took me it wasn't a flashback to you know SMU but um, quick story so I, a few years ago and it was actually in 2014 it was in 2015 one of my best friends got married in Boston mm-hmm. um, he actually went to the Berkeley College of Music Music which is you know one of the top music schools okay uh, in the country and uh, he has a question background we we're both on the drum line in high school and uh, when he got so he got married up there and we spent about four days in Boston. And one day we just took the entire, probably about seven, eight hours a day and toured Berkeley. So we got to see performance halls, you know, top, top-notch top musical or mixing engineering, audio engineering equipment, see the kids, you know, we used to go to the student center and just kick it, hang out on the yeah. couch, you know, they're, they're doing the same thing. The only difference is they have their instrument with them and they're just, you know, uh, doing improv. You know, okay. Improv. It's pretty awesome. It's awesome experience to watch. Just seeing sure. kids. You know, you got a guitarist right there. You got a drummer. You know, beating on the table and they're just you know sipping lattes and jamming out. So that was pretty cool. Uh, you also see the other side of it. I wouldn't say the dark side, but you also see the other side where you know we went down and I actually have I actually might have video footage on my phone. I can happy to show you. But um, you know, walking through and just seeing these these kids you know practicing their crap. You know, regardless of what instrument they play. You know, they had a guy playing, uh, he was just in there practicing playing the timpanis. And the what? The timpanis. What's that? So, so basically the timpanis are these huge, they look like Congo drums on steroids. They're these huge drums. So if you've ever heard that boom, 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 yeah. that's a timpani. Anytime you hear that, um, that's that's a timpani in the okay. background. Okay. You know, if you kind of think about that old cartoon where the giants walk in. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, so that's what that is. Okay. And he was just literally in there with two big timpanis, two big drums, practicing, you know, and it's not just beating a drum, you're, you're try, try to measure, the thing about a timpani is, you know, if you get, you want to get musically specific is you don't want to just be, timpani is not designed to be the loudest instrument in the room. If you've got cellos and, you know, you've got wind instruments like clarinets, oboes, things like that, and you have like a very, you know, soft or delicate part of uh, any, any song or a musical piece that you're playing, you don't want to hear this timpani, you know, drowning everybody out, sure. right? So you have to perfect that, and there are a lot of intricacies that go into that. But to see these guys in there, and what did it for me is when I saw that guy, uh, Neiman, in the movie, have his his mattress in the practice room, like okay. that. That for me was like, you know, from the perspective of the movie, it was like, wow, he is really serious about this. Like he's really, really like. Like, failure is not an option for him. Your thoughts on the uh, on the first scene shows uh, the character naming kind of on the kid, practicing, mm-hmm. uh, kind of soloing out, and then um, kind of pans in and shows Fletcher kind of observing him, right? Mm-hmm. And kind of almost kind of scares Naaman, you know, because he didn't, didn't realize, one, that he was being watched, and two, who it was, right? So... Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of seems like Fletcher and that and that school has a reputation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for most, it was like you know this guy's an asshole, this guy's a dick. But for everybody, it was like this guy's 
you know, pretty awesome. Right. You know, someone, if you have, if you have this guy endorsing you, then you're on your way to do something great mm-hmm. as far as the music. So I think a lot of things about Fletcher that I noticed is that he's very precise mm-hmm. and very military. Yeah. So when he says, oh, I forgot my jacket, you probably left it there on purpose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very tactical, you know, yeah. so, and I, I guess you kind of have to be tactical if you're, you know, a musician in general, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, and, you know, Again, circling back to talking about certain traits of, of uh, conductors and instructors, I don't even know the proper term anymore, but um, you, you do have to, being meticulous is a requirement. You know what I mean? So um, perfection is, you know, or de- a demand for perfection is, is, is also a requirement. So now everybody goes about that, you know, a different way. Um, but he absolutely had that. So like you said, that scene where he, you know, said he left his jacket, that... That was absolutely, in my opinion, that was that was very intentional. You know what I mean? Um, something that was interesting to me is, you know, when when Neiman saw Fletcher standing outside, you see the you know, silhouette kind of sitting there and he walks by. And yeah, when he was there with the the his Nassau band. Yeah, right yeah, and he, he finally comes in, and then he's kind of going through the different uh, 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 folks playing different instruments, right? He goes over to the girl and he says something to the girl like, "Oh, you know, you're either cute or you." Or, you know, yeah, let's let's see why let's see why your first chair and it's, yeah. Yeah, hopefully it's not just because you're cute. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then what's interesting to me about that is she played for I, I, probably it wasn't even longer than a it wasn't longer than a second and a half. Okay, I felt like, but within that second, there was already something that he heard that he didn't like, and he was on to the next. Same thing right. with Neiman and and I forgot the other guy. And the question that was running through my mind was, A, is he playing a mind game yeah. with everybody? B, does he really have that good of an ear, what they call, you know, an ear for music to say, okay, like, you you know your stuff. He kept talking about his, um, his doubles, and um, that's kind of a presence term for, you know, playing, you know, very, very up-tempo, um, but pre- precise. So, so, so is it like double time? So you're, you're playing at a beat of four, you're, yeah. now you're playing at a beat of eight, but on the same time as four? Is yeah, that, okay. pretty much. So it's like that, 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 so it's double time. Like, da, 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 okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if you're doing that for eight bars, which is what, four count? I don't even know anymore. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but if you're, if you're doing that for eight bars and you're playing doubles, like think about percussion is, you know, as a human being, you know, being physically able to do something after a while, your hand, you know, you have to, the thing about being a percussionist is always being in control, always being in control. And that it's all the way down to your hand, hand control, uh, your stick height, what they call your stick height, because your stick height also drives the volume and, and you know, it kind of goes back to that timpani. Like you don't want to overpower everybody else in the room. Okay. So in, in saying all that, um, that was one of the questions in my mind. Like that was a good question you brought up. Is, is Neiman, like was Neiman already like he was already kind of predestined for that? Sure. Or did he actually hear something? And that's something that that I, I think that you did a really good job of kind of selling that in the movie and kind of making you, you know, come to your own conclusion in that regard. Yeah. Or was it? Oh wow, he really deserved that. You know what I mean? I mean, clearly we saw shots throughout the entire movie. He practiced like hell. And just for reference, every with the exception of. Miles Teller, everybody else are trained, they're trained musicians. So, okay. okay. So, but one thing is some of some of the some of the sounds that were actually done 
on air or kept or somewhere actually post-produced later. So, okay. you know, there was kind of a mix of, of there on that as well. Okay. So, you know, Fletcher tells Naaman, all right, report to practice tomorrow at 6 a.m. And like most kids that age, what happens is he, he's late for the time. He sleeps in, yeah. He sleeps in, he's late. Um, shows up to the studio, and it turns out that the practice was at 9. Yeah. Not six. <laughs> so at that point, it's like, man, this guy's such a dick. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm like, yeah. but, you know, I guess at that point, it was more of like, you're going to encounter some type of hazing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if you get, you're being included into some group that's very, you know, exclusive, mm-hmm. uh, there's going to be some type of hazing there. I just didn't expect it to come from the conductor sure. himself. Right. So, you know, I mentioned hazing. What Your time in college, is the band itself kind of like a fraternity in its own? Oh, oh 100%. Um, What's interesting about that, um, there's a lot of hazing that goes on that's that's extremely similar to, uh, you know, your, your your normal college frat, or I guess to a certain extent sororities. Same thing happens, you know, the drinking, the, you know, uh, the paddle, the, you know, the paddling, you know, just certain things that that goes on, <clears throat> even if. You know, in band they have what's called band fraternities. Oh, okay. In the band. So you okay. have the band, which is an actual, you know, as far as band members are concerned, that is an actual fraternity. But then is that prevalent band, in all colleges? Band um, fraternity, or is that something? Because I noticed that that band fraternity kind of perspective mm-hmm. was somewhat highlighted in the movie, movie Drumline, right? So yeah, you yeah. have a guy that joins a band fraternity there. So is that is that more so on the like the HBCU types that? I, I would say. Uh, again, this is just from what I what I've seen with the HBCUs. It's I would I would say that's pretty much every campus okay. with HBCUs. Okay. Uh, universities that are not HBCU, I, I would say that more times than not that they probably have band fraternities as well. Okay. Um, but hazing is very interesting, and I actually you know I won't get down too too far the road. I I didn't really get hazed. Did you kind of have a did you do you feel like you had a demeanor that you were going to put up with that shit? I, I absolutely. The first practice in the film, mm-hmm. they show Neiman interacting with the studio drummer. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, you know, what's going on? And the, the guy doesn't even acknowledge him. He just say, hey, set up my kid. I'd be flat or whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then the guy's, Neiman's like, you know, I really love your kid. And yeah. the guy's like, doesn't even acknowledge him. So, you know, <laughs> I guess I'm just trying to understand that dynamic yeah. too, because mm-hmm. I mean, and maybe it's, is that just the, the sheer competitiveness of these music, musicians? Yeah, um, I, I would I would definitely say it's competitiveness, um, but it's also you also have to take into account that you know it's still a peer system, right? So you still have you're you're in this together, right? So even though you're competing with this guy, in the back of your mind, you know, hey, I can't get to this next level to a certain extent without some type of support you know you're obviously as a drummer especially in an orchestra band or symphonic or however you want to coin that you're kind of on an island right if you're if you're playing on a drum set you screw up it's you at least if you you know you're a wind you play a wind instrument you might have two we'll just say a clarinet for example you, you got one more than one person playing a clarinet so if one guy f's up you're not you're not singled out. Like, you, you can't hear that. You, you unless, hear a drummer mess up. You're unless like, oh. you're, unless you're Fletcher. And Fletcher, yeah. you probably realize it. Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> he, he finds the needle. Yeah, he, he, 
He can definitely circumcise a mosquito. That's for damn sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think what's funny is, so in looking at a studio band, a drummer on a kit, like you mentioned, you're on an island. And I like that metaphor because yeah. you're kind of setting the heartbeat of that that, of that song, right? Yeah, yeah. And if you mess up, then it just something doesn't seem right. Obviously, to me, someone, a layman like me, yeah. I would be like, ah, that's pretty good, you know? Yeah. But yeah. to a trained musician uh, like Fletcher or even to yourself, you may notice other things that people don't notice, right? Right. After practice concludes, he's asking about his family and all that. Yeah, that's a total dick. He didn't give a shit. That's a total dick. Yeah, he, he's just, he's looking for ammo. <laughs> Hell know? yeah. And it's like, you know, after he brought that up, you know, once, you know, Neiman started, quote, unquote, you know, messing up, he, he starts talking about mommy and daddy. I thought he was going to get punched in the throat, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, for a split second there, the first time I watched that scene, I was like, hey, like, he, he actually gives a shit, you know. But, uh, like, honestly, from my perspective, um, I knew he was getting ammo. Like, I just knew it. Yeah, yeah. You know, this guy, this kid, you know, he's 19 years old, calls him a squeaker, you know, yeah, yeah. and he goes, you know, let's have a break, and up next is the squeaker. And then he starts getting information about his family. You can kind of tell, too. He asks what his dad does. He says, oh, my dad's a writer. Mm. And he's, oh, okay, what's he written? And he's like, well, he's more of a, more of a teacher. And then, so when he says that, I can kind of sense a little bit of disappointment in, you know, in the son's eyes of his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess, I don't know, like, it, to me, it just felt like you say mo- most musicians have egos. Mm-hmm. And he had a, kind of an ego at that point, mm-hmm. at that time, you know, he had, I'm doing something with my life. I'm one of the top drummers in this, yeah. this school. And when he's talking about his dad, there's almost a... A sense of disappointment there, right? Um, right. And you yeah. kind of see it later on in the film and the interactions he has with his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he asks about his mom. Oh, well, my mom's never around. She left when I was at a young age. So even at that point, I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I just felt you like you're, you're telling too much stuff. Like it yeah. almost felt like, like it was that street mentality of me coming out. Like oh, I wouldn't even say shit, you yeah. know? Like yeah, like. Yeah. But so then yeah. we see later in that in that scene. You know, he starts playing, and I mean, I, I don't know, like, and maybe a musician like yourself would know, like, he was off tempo, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to understand, but he's, at first, he's, you know, gives him two or three times, says, you know, not quite on my yeah. tempo, and don't mm-hmm. worry, relax, right. and then, but I think what was kind of interesting was, you know, it's been really easy going, mm-hmm. uh, but then you see kind of Naaman's character, you know, nodding his head, kind of saying, okay, fine. But then what's funny is you see the, the people around him. Yeah, yeah. And they're completely stonewalled. Yeah. Quiet. Because they know shit's about to it's fucking go down. down. Yeah. Shit's about to go down. <laughs> and you have, you have that one drummer, who the core drummer at that time, you know, mm-hmm. sees him messing up. And he's kind of there with that face like, this guy's about to blow a gasket. Yeah. He didn't see it. He no. didn't see it. Yeah. So I think that was kind of the, the main kind of climax of the conductor being a dick at that point, he throws a chair at him, right? And yeah. so, I mean, personally, at that point, I'm out. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm out. I would, I would have been gone. Yeah. You no. Know, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think right before that scene happened, that was kind of when they were all talking about his family's background. Oh, you don't have a musical background, right? And then he also, I, he, he, so Fletcher makes a statement to him. He kind of gives him a little bit of encouragement, like, 
you're here for a reason, right? Oh, that's right. You know that's what I'm right. saying? Yeah. It's like, I want, like, I want to hear you say it. So, so then, you know, Neymar repeats it, walks in the next morning. You can kind of see, like, before everybody gets in, he's just kind of looking around and smirking like, yeah, like, yeah, he's built up. He's yeah. built on love. He's so like, he, he's, you kind of feel like he's taking his foot off the gas a little bit. You know what I mean? And then, then that whole scene you just talked about happens where, you know, not quite my tempo. He starts ripping his ass a little bit. Um, I don't know if that was the same session, same rehearsal, whatever, where he lays into, uh, I forgot what instrument. He was kind of the, the trombonist. He's a trombonist. Yeah. And he starts getting in, getting on him. And he's like, oh well, he's out of here because he doesn't even know he's yeah. black. Yeah, I know? think I think that was the the very first uh very first session that Neyman took part in. And that yeah. was actually kind of funny because uh, man, uh, the director does a really good job in this film. Uh, they show this kid, um, he's he's looking for his music. He drops his music. Fletcher says something like, "What are you looking down there for? You're in a Mars bar, you know, <laughs> you know." Yeah. Starts starts insulting him. Yeah. yeah. So then uh. There was a pan of this trombonist from his left side, and you can kind of see naming at the very back, you know, yeah. kind of realizing like, oh, what the fuck did I just walk into? Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. so, but what's funny is everybody else is kind of like, this this is it. I'm, yeah. They're immune to it. Yeah. And they understand yeah. it because they see the, the end goal and the, yeah. the end of their, like, I guess if you could say the end of the tunnel is mm. if they can just stand all this negative encouragement or this pressure mm. once they're done with school they go on with a career right yeah so yeah. you don't want to be that guy that gets kicked out by this conductor or whatever right yeah no um certainly um you know one of the things that i felt and i shouldn't say i felt was lacking but i didn't i didn't see a, a lot uh there wasn't a there wasn't a, a big dynamic of in that movie was a lot of peer-to-peer interaction or you know what i mean like i get it we're in a competitive environment but we're still a still a team we're still a a band together right you didn't see a ton of interaction with other percussionists or hey man like don't worry not even a heads up like yo this is you're about to be in some shit you know what i mean like there wasn't a lot of that interaction they're at this kind of uh this performance they're all suited up and he loses the sheet the sheet book I mean, that was one of the things too. After rewatching it, I was like, "All right, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, where, where the hell did this damn book go? Like, that doesn't make yeah. sense to me." But yeah. I guess I could see from a from a director standpoint, they needed it. They needed it to kind of move along, and they needed yeah. him to have the opportunity to be a be the core drummer. So mm-hmm. the, they lose the sheet book. The core drummer doesn't know it by heart. Right. He knows it by only reading the music. Yeah. Uh, which in itself is a feat in itself. I mean, because I can't read yeah. music in it. But, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. yeah. To be able to play at that, just to be able to read like a book and play like that, that's that's incredible. Yeah. But they don't have sheet music. You can't play. So then finally, Fletcher's reluctantly obligated to go with Naaman, who's basically practiced this on his own and learned it by heart, right? Mm. So they actually end up uh, playing the performance. He does... I, I wouldn't... I'm not going to say perfect, but he right. does well enough for them to win the competition. Right. And then... Um, if it flashes to now the next rehearsal, you have that pianist say, "Hey, yeah. you leave, don't even touch my book." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. don't even touch my book, yo. Right. And right. Uh, so then, the core drummer at that time, Carl's already there. 
and you could tell he's still disgusted. And he's like, don't even touch my fucking kid, you know? So, which is understandable, you know, this kid lost in the music. So then Fletcher comes in and says, Carl, what the hell are you doing? Only core drummers today. And then you have that look, right? That look between uh, Naaman and Carl, where Carl is just like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's something that, that's interesting to me because I think from a, I guess looking at it from an athlete standpoint, mm-hmm. um, if a coach is going to demote a first string and bring in a second string, mm-hmm. you usually have that discussion, right? For yeah. 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 So for someone to just do it, not privately, but in front of everybody, um, that just adds to the kind of the assholeness. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because that's kind of where with Fletcher, you know, obviously, like we both you know, play sports and whatnot, you know. I try to find, in order for me to judge Fletcher a certain way, I have to find a parallel for that, right? So the first thing that comes to mind is a coach. Most coaches, and don't get me wrong, there are just asshole coaches out there, but most coaches that build you up this, that, and the other, I've always dealt with coaches that were kind of in your face, very straightforward. They set the expectation. Whether you agree with it or not, you knew where you stood, Right there. With Fletcher, again, sociopathic tendencies, a little bit of passive aggressiveness, always playing mind games, trying to mind mind fuck you or whatever. At every at every turn. Like you're never on cruise control with Fletcher, right? But um it it was just interesting to kind of see that character unfold. And then throughout the entire movie, just looking at Fletcher's character develop, even at the after the scene where, you know, Fletcher gets knocked down, gets tackled or whatever. He, he, you see him, you see that cut where he's in the jazz scene. You're like, oh, wow. Well, maybe there's a different angle to this guy. Maybe, maybe we're going to get some background. Maybe he had a loved one that, you know, he had a traumatizing experience. They're going to open up why he's an asshole. No, he just, he just did. He just, oh, yeah. It flashes to the dinner that we yeah. talked about earlier yeah. with the family. And I think what's kind of interesting too is, um, so just to set it up, mm-hmm. you have, Naaman, his father, they're, I guess they're visiting his uncle's house, and the yeah. uncle's there with a wife, and the, he has two sons. Mm-hmm. Um, it almost seems like to me that Naaman's father is also inferior to his brother, so because they're, they're there at his house, yeah. um, and the, the brother's kind of controlling the conversation, mm-hmm. and then I think the aunt asks, uh, so how's your drumming going? Yeah. You know, so it's kind yeah. of like immediately like mm-hmm. – it feels like so. How's your how's your hobby going? You know, how's your drumming going? Yeah, it was it was almost kind of like um, uh, you could tell it wasn't intentional, but it, it it was still a dig a little bit. It's like oh, you know, this guy's got a road. He's a road scholar. You know, they start talking about his accomplishments on on the football field. You know, they they go into great detail in that moment in regards to their accomplishments. Then you have this basically they call him a little drummer boy. Basically, yeah. you know. Because, you know, obviously when you're dealing with certain folks that don't have this ability and don't understand the grind, they, they don't see that, you know, you know, to, to you know, a, a, an individual that doesn't, you know, appreciate, and, and it took me a while to appreciate like classical and orchestra, orchestra and things like that. Um, you don't understand what goes on in the background. It's almost like football. Like I'm a huge Dallas Cowboy fan, not to get on that tangent, but, you know, as a fan, we see the product that's put on the field on Sundays for, you know, 60 minutes, but we don't see the grind. We don't see the pep talks, the injuries, you know, the practices, you sure. know, things like that. And it's just kind of the same concept with, 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 with music. The, the only difference is, I guess, with music, 
lot of things in life in this life, man, are, are, are tied to money, right? So, you know, and, and I even had that conversation with myself as a kid, you know, deciding what I wanted to do. And, you know, to a certain extent, you're trying to figure figure out how to feed your family, you know, let alone yourself, right? Yeah. It's always, it, it's hard to translate that when, when it comes to music, you know what I mean? Unless you're, you know, the best of the best, you're on tour, you're, you know, you're a top performing artist in the world, whatever. Um, so just kind of see that dynamic of that family and, and they're not necessarily not only uh, understanding what this kid's going through, but it also felt like they didn't take the time to, you know, to get a better idea of what he was doing. It was just like, oh, he's a drummer. Like, right, and I think he tried, he tried to kind of explain that. You know, he mentioned I'm the core drummer in, uh, you know, this studio band for Shaper, which right. is pretty much the top band in the country. Right. You know, <laughs> so. Yeah. And then um, you see a little bit of dynamic with him talking with his cousins, you know, about, yeah, you're good at football, but it's Division three, you know. So, but I think the one thing I got out of that scene, which was total gut punch for the dad, mm-hmm. was like, you know, he's, the dad's kind of seeing his son interact with the cousins, and then he's, mm-hmm. he, he cuts him off and says, have you heard from Lincoln Center? Yeah. And it was at that time that even the son was like, God, why do you got to bring this shit up now? Yeah. Like, yeah. So I thought that was a total gut punch mm-hmm. from the dad, because even, yeah. you even see, the same disappointment that he had for his dad when Fletcher was asking him, you know, what his dad does for a living. You yeah. see, you see that same disappointment that the dad has on him. Uh, you yeah. know? So right. it was always, it was almost like, you know, like father, like son, you know, kind of, yeah. you know, that you don't see the drive that the, the, the obviously the dad didn't have the drive to make it like a mm-hmm. writer. You know, that's we're, we're supposed to get out of the film, mm-hmm. but then. It's almost like the dad doesn't see the drive in him and do something what he considers to be resourceful. Yeah, and that's it's kind of it's kind of unfortunate too because you know everybody everybody um, has had that moment whether it was with a parent or a loved one in general or a family member to where you, you you're you're in a situation or you, you're just overall just trying to make that person happy, trying to please them, you know, and sometimes you go out of your way and getting out of your comfort zone make that happen you know you kind of like you just said like kind of see that with his dad um you kind of see some of the disappointment and things like that so it also makes you wonder like you know obviously the dynamic of his you know his mom and you know not being there um it just it, it makes you think and wonder like you know how much of this has impacted him up to this point the rehearsal after that dinner he asks naming a you know hey stay behind let me talk to you for a second mm-hmm. shows him hey you see what's on the new list, and then it's a song called Whiplash, yeah. which was a swing kind of yeah. song, right? Mm-hmm. Which is uh, the type of music that he was already practicing when Fletcher first noticed him. Mm-hmm. So then, at that point, um, he's kind of pumping him up, pumping him up again, you know, kind yeah. of the same thing, you know. This is right up your alley, you know, right up your wheelhouse. You should get this, and then yeah. you even have Neiman kind of, you know, smirking a bit like, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I got this. Don't worry. Yeah. I'm, that was just total bullshit right yeah, there. Because, yeah. you know, him being meticulous, he probably, that's when that other drummer shows up, Ryan. Mm-hmm. You know, he was only saying that to keep him there so that Ryan can show up. And, oh, they, sure. and they had that discourse there. So, mm-hmm. and it wasn't at that point to where, you know, hey, you know, I brought Ryan in to kind of, you know, get a, you know, fresh breath of air into the band. And, mm-hmm. but what Naaman didn't know is that Ryan had the sheet music already for like four hours. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so as a musician, he probably had four hours of practice already ready to get it. So, and then you have a, uh, Ryan doesn't have sticks. Right. <laughs> He's like, give me your Mario sticks. Yeah. yeah. So as a drummer, you're thinking, I mean, is that something they always say? You're, I mean, is that, is that 
Is that sacred? I mean, would you let or someone else? It? Yeah, would you let someone else borrow your sticks I mean, like that? Uh, me and myself, I I wouldn't I wouldn't mind giving somebody else my sticks. But that that probably talks to just the type of person I am. I can't really speak for other drummers. Every drummer is different. Um, that level of competition, since I haven't been exposed to it, um, I can't really. I don't really know. Yeah. But having said that, I I understand where he's coming from, given to you know how he's kind of experienced all of that up to that point. You know, that guy had a sheet music before, uh, you know, flashback to the beginning. Like, did he get the sheet music to some of the stuff that Neiman was playing in the beginning? Like, was he afforded? It'd be a little different if Neiman was kind of in that situation before. Not only, you know, when he got selected, but, you know, his first exposure to studio band, you know, did he get the, and I can't, I honestly can't remember if he got the sheet music before. So, um, you might have to help me on that if he did, if you remember if he did or if he didn't, but from that standpoint, if he had that same experience, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I could understand. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he had that same experience. I don't, I don't yeah. think so. <laughs> I don't remember that anyway. So, um, so. But I thought what was really f- funny about that, like, like you mentioned, that Fletcher was mind fucking him, and mm-hmm. I mean, I think he does that throughout the whole film. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it there's also, and it's hard for me to understand. There's also a point where is there a method to his madness? Yeah. Because he does get better, right? Right, right? And you have that kind of impromptu audition, and he's like, all right, that's fine. Uh, Ryan, go ahead and give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Ryan doesn't have sticks. Let me borrow your sticks. And he plays not even like five, ten seconds of it. And it's like, it's like perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so then you have name at that point. Like, Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Like, it's like nothing he can. It's, it's almost like a lose-lose for him. Right, right. You know, and you know, as the movie went on, I like, like you just said, is there a method to the madness? And then, not to get too far ahead, but at some point you realize this is what I felt like Fletcher was doing. I, I felt like to a certain extent Fletcher was trying to bring the best out of people, but then obviously this situation went di- different and, you know, there was a physical altercation. Then you kind of see a little bit of a transition and you're like, okay, you know, okay, this is why, this is the why behind all of this. Then, you know, the movie kind of keeps going. It's like, no, you're kind of being a dick. Then at the end of the day, you know, Naaman kind of overcomes what he overcomes, right? And I feel like from Fletcher's standpoint, it's like, look, I'm going to be a dick no matter what. If I bring the best out of you, I bring the best out of you. If I don't, you know, bye. Uh, yeah. You know, on to the next one. So then it flashes to, uh, I guess, the ultimate kind of drum battle. And it has these three drummers go through basically another kind of hazing tactic. And, mm-hmm. and like you mentioned earlier, you know, there's really no way you can tell the difference in how they were playing. You know, they were probably all playing satisfactory, but it wasn't. It wasn't at that point that Fletcher was just gonna run into the ringer. It got to the point where Fletcher realized that he wasn't gonna get the best of naming him more. He was proving himself. And I think what was kind of interesting too is um, just to kind of so you had that battle off by the three drummers, and right before that, that's when Fletcher kind of. You know, in spite of Naaman says, "Hey Ryan, that's that's perfect. You're you're doing great." So then, what does Naaman do? Is he automatically assumes that, you know, he still hasn't got the approval of Fletcher. So what does he do? He breaks up with his girlfriend, right? Right. And right. says, and basically deflects. You know, yeah. it's your fault that I'm not good enough yet. Right. You know, right. and I don't want to continue to dedicate my life to music, and mm-hmm. you're gonna just despise me. Right. So he basically. He starts to evolve, and he's yeah. he's breaking bad himself, you yeah. know, and yeah. he's becoming 
almost what Fletcher wants him to become. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, this sociopath kind of into music. And that's why I was thinking, is there a method to that madness? Because he, he does actually get better. Yeah, he, he does. And and I think to that, um, what I noticed, you know, the first time Neiman uh, joined the studio band throughout the, the entire rest of the remainder of the movie is there was this reinforcement of Fletcher kind of telling Neiman or, or there, there's this reinforcement of Fletcher, you know, alluding to Neiman like, hey, you're basically chasing a ghost here. You want to be one of the greats. You know, he tells a story about, about Coltrane. Simba, yeah, Coltrane and Buddy Rich and this, that, and the other. I don't know if you remember the scene, like, I don't know if it was the first to say performance, you know, Neiman's playing. He's like, yeah, Fletcher's like, yeah, we got Buddy Rich over here. <laughs> yeah. Ah, you know, keep going. You know, he's kind of getting them going, you know? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he hurls a, uh, you know, he hurls a symbol at him, you know? So it's like, again, it's, it's just a mindfuck technique. You know, I'm going to build you up and tell you everything you want to hear, and I'm going to shout, I'm going to break you. Like, you know, everybody gets broken in, in phases, right? It almost felt like it was like that right. in, in that scene. You know, some people do it with words. In Fletcher's case, he does it with both, with words and, and action, right? Uh, physical action at that. One thing that's interesting, though, is, and I'm not sure if you noticed it, it was the first time that Fletcher um, saw Neiman mm-hmm. practicing on the kit by himself. Uh, well, as you notice that Fletcher, so he's very meticulous. He wears all black throughout mm-hmm. the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And Neiman's wearing uh, jeans and a white t-shirt. Yep. But during that battle off with the three drummers, mm-hmm. he's wearing black. Neiman's wearing black again. So oh, it was so it was almost yeah. it's actually kind of interesting to see that he's starting to emulate or convert into the type of musician that, that Fletcher's been molding into, yeah. right? So yeah. it was almost like pretty sure that was something intentional, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so then finally after the drum off, you know, Fletcher's like, All right, you were in the part. And he's on the bus getting ready to go. And then um, this guy's got some piss ass luck, man. <laughs> you know, you know yeah. bus breaks down. Flat, and yeah. flat tire. And then so he finally takes a cab to a rental car place, gets the rental car. And then they show a shot of his sticks on the on the chair. Mm-hmm. So he leaves without sticks. So then I'm thinking like, okay, so what's going to happen? Is he going to have to borrow somebody's stick? Is that is not a big deal? Mm-hmm. You know, so he drives to this competition, to this mm-hmm. uh, auditorium. This guy, at this point, it was almost like watching a, uh, like a drug addict. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know, to be honest, like, it was almost like he was already caught in the web of Fletcher, like, you know, he had no kind of, no kind of thoughts of the consequences or whatever. He was like, fuck, I forgot my sticks, so yeah. let me just go back and get it, you know? So he was, this guy was just looking for that next yeah. Kind of that next fix, fix. That next, yeah, yeah, and like and, you're not gonna take my seat, yeah. Like, so, that there was nothing that was gonna stop him from doing whatever he can to, to please Fletcher at that point. So, then it cuts to him grabbing the sticks and heading back. And then, I, I did not expect the truck, I didn't either, yeah. yeah I didn't I, either. When that happened, I, I'll be honest, I jumped out of my chair, like, what the fuck's yeah. happening, yeah. Like, how's this gonna, like, I was like, how's this gonna end, yeah. So, then when that happened, I'm thinking, all right, are we cutting to the hospital? Is it right. gonna be in the hospital? But no. This kid climbs out of the car and grabs the sticks and he's still running right. to the auditorium. Right. So when that happened, I was a little, I was yeah. a little kind of suspicious. Like, all right, yeah. <laughs> where the fuck is this movie yeah. going to? Yeah. So then they show him like kind of finally make it to the stage, mm-hmm. all bloody, right? And then uh, visibly shaky. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. So yeah. then at that point, everybody's looking at him like, what's going on with this kid? <laughs> um, yeah. But then they start playing. Obviously, he can't play, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. 
it was in that time we'll drop his stick on the ground. Drops a stick. Yeah. And it's basically at that point Fletcher realizes like that's it. It's over. Yeah. So he kinda tells him that that's it, it's yeah, over. We're and, done. Yeah. and then I get some kind of relief, you know, when he kicks that the bass drum and yeah. just tackles him. Yeah. Because then I was at that point I was like, It's about damn time. Yeah, like it's a pressure valve, man. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's getting released. After the incident where Naaman kinda tackles Fletcher, mm-hmm. he gets kicked out of school, obviously. And he starts decides that he's going to quit music, right? Mm-hmm. So they show him taking down all of his, his kit. They show him mm-hmm. taking down all the stuff from his apartment. And there's a good shot of him just kind of sitting down on the floor after he's taking everything down. Mm-hmm. And and they show that the room he's in, it almost looks like a cell, like a yeah. prison cell yeah. or like a, some type of mental facility room, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that was kind of interesting. Yeah. So they show him kind of walking around in New York uh, again and uh, probably as a uh, – probably a scene from that one day of shooting in New York, but yeah. they show him kind of seeing a, like a chalkboard easel and they ask Terrence Fletcher, you yeah. know, guest star at this jazz uh, bar. So, um, I don't know. I think, and that's the, and that's, I, I think that's the addict yeah. in him. Yeah. He, I, I would have just kept walking like, oh, sure. fuck this guy. Yeah. But um, shows up in there, sees him kind of playing, playing the piano. And then uh, as he's, as he's about to leave, Fletcher sees him, and they have that conversation, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why you're mentioning that Fletcher's like, you know, I tried to do my best. Mm-hmm. I tried to push people to their their upper their limit just mm-hmm. to kind of bring the best out of them, right? Right. And like you said, he comes to the realization that that's not gonna happen. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. what's funny though is they had this conversation. He mentions, oh yeah, you know, I'm not I'm not a Schaefer anymore. Someone uh, apparently someone some parents got together and yeah. you know. Gives the impression to Naaman that, uh, you know, someone from a previous class, mm-hmm. whatever. So, you know, you can kind of visibly see yeah. the relief in, uh, in uh, Naaman's eyes. Like, all right, still doesn't know it's me. Right. right. Um, so then it cuts to them being outside. And then uh, Fletcher's like, hey, uh, we got this festival coming up. Yeah. It's at Carnegie Hall, mm-hmm. which is one of the best halls in New York. And then, uh, you know, we're looking for a drummer. So then at this point, I'm like... I think I was just skeptical at this point. Like, what's going yeah. on? What, what does he have in the, the yeah. back of his head already, you know? So then name is like, yeah, you know, I can play. They're going to play Whiplash. They're going to play Caravan. Like all, all the like, whole game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, all the songs that he's played. Yeah. So they cut to him getting ready, getting suited up, going to Carnegie Hall. And then uh, this whole, from that moment when they're in the, Car- in the Carnegie Hall studio getting ready up until the end, that, I think that was probably my favorite part yeah. of the film. They show the uh, the professional band that he's conducting, mm-hmm. and man, and all like I said, like I mentioned earlier, that these are all professional musicians that play these roles. Yeah, all cool, man. They, they all look cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they have this one cat who I think he's playing the sax or something, or, or I think he's playing the sax, sort mm-hmm. of playing it. He had these like cool looking glasses on his head or something. Yeah. You know? like, yeah. I'm like, man, these guys are so cool. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, I guess that was probably one of the reasons why I picked up drumsticks for like a month, you know, but I thought that was really cool. And then, yeah. uh, so they're getting ready. Obviously these guys are all grown, grown men um, for this professional band. And then Fletcher has this uh, speech and says, Hey, you're about to play in one of the biggest halls in New York. And your life's about to change. Yeah, you know, yeah. someone can notice you, and this, you know, this performance can, right. is the difference of what can make you into a, 
Lincoln Center musician or right. what can make you into a core drummer for this for this other traveling band or whatever, right? right. So yeah. this is the the pinnacle. This right. is what's gonna happen. So, you know, at this moment I'm realizing, okay, well, he's giving him one more opportunity. Yeah. Giving naming the opportunity to, to show what he has. Yeah. And then it cuts to Fletcher seeing Neiman at the kit and says, I know it was you. At that moment, I'm just like, God damn it! Like, like what fucking asshole? Yeah. Like, this guy is basically gonna get one more jab in or one more dig in, and then that's when they realize that they're about to play a song that name is never heard before. He doesn't have the, doesn't even have the sheet music. You know, it's upswing, meaning that it's incredibly off tempo. Okay. And okay. So you know your typical songs. You you know you have you know your typical beat. You know, one, two, three, four. This thing is offbeat. It's like. It's, it's hard to explain. So is it, it, it's complex yeah. to begin with, right? So you're not counting. You're, instead of one, two, three, four, it's like like right after you count one, it's the tick right at like that. It's like a nanosecond off that tick, if okay. that makes any sense. Like okay. One, two, like, it, I wish I could explain it. It's, so uh, instead of like a, instead of the metronome being equal parts, like yeah. one, two, three, four, it's like one, two, three, four, one, yeah. two, three, like, oh. Yeah, yeah. And it's, and then it's up tempo too. So you're, you're playing a, a faster than normal. Hey, so now as a drummer, you are the pulse. Like on drumline, they tell you you are the pulse. You're the heartbeat of the band. Like, so shit, if you don't know what you're playing, you yeah. Know, and you even see the guy next to him. I forgot what is he. The playing, guy, the I think he's playing the bass. Or the bass or yeah. Something. He's like, what the fuck are you like, doing? What are you doing? Like, come on, man. And he was just doing the best he can. So he's trying to fill in, right? He's trying yeah. to fill in gaps with whatever he thinks would be yeah. appropriate for that type of song that they're playing, Absolutely. which is definitely not a way a drummer should be playing, right? Yeah. And yeah. Then, I mean, from bar to bar, like the tune or the, the, the tempo or the beat will change. So it's just kind of like once you get into whatever rhythm you're in, it changes on you. You know what I mean? It's, it's absolutely, it's literally like going through a maze. It's like a musical maze. You know what I mean? And you're in the driver's seat. You're basically being handed the keys. And, and saying, hey, I need you, you know, like Formula One racing, you've been to the F1 track, you see how the curves are. Hey, you've never driven before, but I need you to go 200 miles an hour. And by the way, I need you to hit all these turns yeah. and win. Yeah. You know what I mean? Definitely. Same thing. You know, he, he gets up, walks off set, and he's, you know, visibly a little defeated, pissed off. Hell yeah. Hugs his dad, kind of gets that. Yeah. I kind of like the scene with his dad because, you know, given the dynamic with his dad and his family, as soon as Naaman walks off the stage, like his dad was in the audience. So by the time he gets up and walks off the stage, his dad is already backstage. Right, right. So that was that was cool to cool to kind of see. Like he was right there to catch his son literally yeah. falling, right? And I think for someone like my like um what was interesting for me to correlate was um the dynamic with the dad finally getting resolved, right? Yeah. And I thought yeah. that was like the dad kind of realizing that man my son's been through a lot of shit but i'm always gonna be here for him to pick him up yeah and that meant a lot to me and um what's kind of funny is and i i didn't notice this until i actually re-watched the film but i watched it with the commentary from the director mm-hmm. was what the scene the way it was supposed to look was the dad was supposed to go through and you know get stopped by security mm-hmm. and you know, be there to console his son, and security was also going to be there. And the security asked Naaman, "Do you know this guy? Do you know this man?" Oh, and okay. Naaman was supposed to say uh, no and walk off back to stage. Uh, oh, so, wow. Yeah. Wow. So, but I, I thought that was kind of an interesting cut uh, away from the film because 
I thought if they kept that in, I, I still would have been, I probably would have been more disappointed in Naaman. Like, oh, I can't believe it. Like, yeah. your dad's there to pick you up. He loves you. And, mm-hmm. and you just kind of disowned him at that time, you know? Yeah. And it was yeah. at that moment that I felt that Fletcher still would have got the upper hand, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm glad they took that out because uh, they, they showed just a dad there consoling his son. And his dad's like, all right, let's go home. But I think it was at that time when when Naaman finally grew up as a musician. Yep. And he's like, I can't let him get the best. Yeah. And then and that's when he walks back to the thing. And Fletcher season walks back to the kit and sits down. And Fletcher's like, all right, you want some more? We're yeah. going to play another song, too. Yeah. You know, We're going to yeah. slow it down and play something else. Like, now this is on you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then it wasn't until that time when uh, Naaman actually just starts playing like uh, on my terms yeah he, yeah. he plays what uh was it caravan i i think so yeah and he starts playing caravan real quick yeah and that's when um all the musicians in the band were kind of looking at him like what the hell's going on yeah and then we come back to that basis it's like yeah what what's going on and then he's yeah. like you know he yells out caravan I'll, you know I'll, yeah. I'll cue you in yeah and then basically the band just starts playing right yeah so they start playing yeah. caravan and then <laughs> i and then you kind of you get a you get a a, a cut to you know, naming with the mm-hmm. kit, and he kind of mouths to Fletcher, "Fuck you." Yeah. You know, yeah. and man, at that moment, I was, yeah. I was hyped. I, I was, I was yeah. hyped. I was like, "All right, man, <laughs> yeah. young buck yeah. finally grew up." Yeah. And then, uh, so Fletcher kind of approaches him, and he's, you know, he's pissed. Yeah. Angry. He says, "I'm gonna fucking gouge your eyes out." You know, yeah. like, you know, <laughs> I, all chaos at that point, right? Yeah. So yeah. then he starts playing, and then. Uh, I thought what was really interesting to, for me is, um, as musicians, mm-hmm. they finally saw each other as equals. Yeah, yeah. You can see that that look at the yeah. end. Which was interesting to me because it, it still almost felt like, even though they kind of had that mutual, you know, I don't know what the right term is, but they kind of had this mutual understanding. It was, it was nonverbal, right? But it was still almost like, even through that whole scene, it was still almost, to me, it was like uh, Naaman was still kind of trying to please him a little bit in, in, in some weird way. You know what I mean? Like, even up to that end, it was almost like, yeah, fuck you, but hey, is this is this your definition of, of greatness here? Because, like, he killed it. He yeah. absolutely killed it. And you could kind of feel that once the other band members start kind of picking up and playing along. And, like, it was an awesome performance at, at the end of the day. Uh, but it was awesome to see, man. Like, you know, obviously Fletcher was in control throughout the majority of that. And, you know, up until damn near the end, hey, we're going to slow this thing down. Boom. Here comes Naaman. Hey, you're on my terms now. Yeah. Like, you know, what are you going to do? And I, I think at that point, what happens is uh, you actually start to see where Fletcher realizes something, something incredible is happening. Mm-hmm. And it was at that point that um, both Fletcher and Naaman decided that the music is going to dictate what's happening. Yeah. And... Mm-hmm. So at that point, Fletcher kind of is content with just taking backseat to the music because something, mm-hmm. something incredible is developing. Yeah. And so he has this yeah. solo that kind of erupts. I think that was the first time Fletcher says his first name. Like, Andrew, what are you doing, man? You know, oh, yeah. Yeah, a- after, yeah. after the song ends. Mm-hmm. And then and Andrew was basically in a, in a zone and says, hey, I'll kill you in. Mm-hmm. And then that's when they both kind of have this... Uh, dual nod of okay something's happening so then he goes into this incredible solo and i guess it's more of a buddy rich style solo Mm -hmm. because i guess they throughout the film he's looking at clips of buddy rich and Mm -hmm. he's doing these kind of solos where 
you know, the tempo kind of changes back and forth and yeah. almost to the point where he's so enthralled in the solo where he starts to bleed again and, yeah. you know, you have all this blood, incredible shots of blood blood, blood dots on that the symbol. Yeah, yeah that's was pretty cool. Yeah. And then you kind of have, uh, the one thing I liked was it cuts back to the dad looking at him and I guess at that point his dad finally realizes just how gifted his son is. And you, and you start to see this kind of sense of pride mm-hmm. in his eyes. Yeah. And yeah. at that point, I was that kind of hit me just yeah. being just being a son in general. Sure. And sure. then, uh, and then it just kind of ends with the solo ending. Ending. Right. Right. And then at that point, uh, you know, it just cuts to black. You mentioned this uh, a while ago about how you didn't see much interaction between the musicians, mm-hmm. and that's and. And I want to talk about this because that was kind yeah. of one of the main issues I had. Yeah. Because um, it gave off the impression that mus- musicianship is a, a solo conquest or mm-hmm. some type of solo journey. Like a tennis or... Yeah, so you show, it shows Neiman kind of practicing on his own yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. But what was funny with me was it never showed him like... And never show him interacting with other bands, and never show him interacting outside as Fletcher did with other professional yeah. musicians in, in, in jazz kind of bars or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of interesting to me. And yeah. I had written, I had read some stuff about how there were some type of jazz enthusiasts that didn't like the film because mm-hmm. they felt that it gave jazz a bad name because. Uh, from the aspect of just jazz bands in general, you need that collaboration, right? Sure. Because yeah. you have look at uh, look at Thelonious Monk, look at John Coltrane, mm-hmm. Louis Armstrong. Mm-hmm. You know when mm-hmm. they when you look their up their uh, their sets on YouTube or whatever, mm-hmm. it's a very improvisational type of genre. Oh, you know, yeah. there's when they when they're jamming out, they're not using music. So right. I don't. So it was definitely some type of battle between. Improvisational jazz and then, you know, concert type of classical jazz. Yeah. One of the revolving things for me was just energy. I mean, there's there's musical energy. And regardless of whether you play jazz, I mean, it's it, it's in, it, extremely imperative in jazz, but you feed off of, especially with improv, energy is a requirement. You have to feed off that energy. It's, you know, percussionist, and you have a sax player or whatever. You know, that's, you know, kind of circles back to the whole tune, you know, whole term of, hey, I'm going to you in. Like, you have to know what your cue is. You have to be listening to what that guy, you know, what that guy's tempo is. All right, so this is the tempo. This is my plan. I have to feed off of that. If I come in at the wrong time, everything else downhill is going to make this performance shit. You know what I mean? Um, but no, it was it was definitely interesting to me um, to not see you know, some of the dialogue or just some of the, like you said the interaction. Like that was that was one thing that kind of stood out like right. like, like a sore thumb for me. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. And many thanks to my buddy Byron for taking time out of his busy schedule to share his experiences as a musician himself, but also to take time to discuss this film with me. I hope that you took some insights out of this discussion. And feel free to you know, send us your feedback. Send me your feedback to nestedquerypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, let me know what your thoughts of the movie were. And also if you have any thoughts on future episodes uh any films or tv shows that you feel might be any uh be a good pick for an episode then please feel free to email me 
thank you very much and I hope to uh, catch up with you guys at our next episode take care Not, not quite my tempo.